0: Hey, you'll see. Hello? Oh, yeah. is in. Chris is in. Yeah. yeah. Can
1: you can you hear me?
0: Um
2: uh, can you guys hear me? Barely. Yeah,
1: I can <coughs> I can hear you. Can can everyone hear me? Shivan
0: seven. see. Yep. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, no. <clears throat> much better. Yeah. Yeah. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Yeah. are right. good. Okay. Yeah. Good. Great.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, um, uh, uh, did you all guys uh, see that what Chris had written for the first first part? We'll do. Just, just our memories of the game and just, maybe half an hour, forty minutes, maybe. Can you repeat that bit or just cut out? Oh, um, I was saying that. Uh, did, you, did you have a look at what Chris had said in the first part? What we will mm-hmm. be discussing, we'll go through yeah. the same thing. So, just our memories of the game and uh, when we started following it, and like that, and then we will end it. We can have a quick review of. Uh, what just happened in the last round, like the one-one draw? Yeah,
3: him. sure, sure. How
0: in depth do we want to yeah, go? Yeah, our best memory? Uh, you could just uh, mention when when you started following this uh, this rivalry between the clubs, and then you, maybe maybe a few games that you really remember. Yeah, and, easy. Maybe not just. Yeah, yeah, Sandra. Yeah, your. Um, a few incidents that happened that you remember maybe all those things yeah
2: sure sure sure. we'll do okay yeah no worries yeah okay Okay. uh is the sound okay from my end i just want to check because uh you guys are sometimes breaking
1: yeah same Uh, on mine yeah from i can hear you fine yeah yeah no
0: problem yeah
3: It does sound like someone's in, like, a sort of windy place, though.
1: Yeah, I can hear that, too. Okay, okay. how about now? Um. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's yeah, much, yeah. Better, much better. Yeah, much better, yeah. That's a lot, that's a lot better, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, um, yeah, uh, I'll just maybe give it, like, a 10, 15-second break, and then I'll start.
1: Sure, okay. Okay.
0: No okay. Hey guys, um, welcome back to our all our listeners to another episode of the Nutmeg Arena podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. Uh, with three of these fixtures lined up in the next month, uh, we're here to talk about one of the biggest footballing fixtures, um, biggest fixtures in the footballing world uh, that's been a long-lasting uh, rivalry between two big giants of the sporting world. And it's none other than the uh, El Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona. So uh, we have our guests for the night. Um, it's Shivan from Malaysia, Chris from the UK, and Yossi from Melbourne, Australia. How are you guys? Welcome
1: to the show. I'm very well, thank you. You're doing well, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm fine.
2: Uh, it's good to be back in the podcast, talking something Talking okay, well, about a subject that we all love the most, which is football.
0: Football, yes, uh, certainly, yep. So before we start out, just a random stat, a couple of random stats that I found um, regarding the fixture. So these two teams have met, uh, played each other, two hundred and seventy-three times in total, and Barcelona leads the race with one hundred and thirteen wins, and Real Madrid has ninety-five wins. But to take into account. Uh, if you don't take into account the exhibition games, then it's Real Madrid who wins it with uh, 95 games won and Barcelona are on 93. So, uh, And the latest fixture, of course, was a 1-1 draw in the first leg of the Copa del Rey. So nicely poised for the remaining two fixtures. And now we go on to our memories of this fixture and we have a quick look at what happened during the one-one draw in the Copa del Rey? So, uh, Chris Shiven and Yossi—one of the biggest fixtures um, of the footballing world. Everybody's waiting for the. Uh, everybody waits for the fixture since the start of the season. They look at one. Of, this is one of the most looked at fixture in the uh, footballing calendar, if you ask me, because um, I certainly do look forward to. Um, Seeing Real Madrid versus Barcelona wherever I am, I try to watch it on TV. If not, I try to follow it on the net, uh, internet. So, um, what are your memories of the, this big fixture? How did you start following this uh, fixture? Let's have who wants to go first this time. Let's have Shiven. Okay, Shiven, you can go ahead. Okay,
2: yeah, we'll do. Um, Basically, I mean, uh, how do I got to know this fixture is uh, pretty much like every football, yes. Uh, when you learn about certain, uh, certain stories about football from a particular country, of course, when you talk about Spain, the first thing always comes to mind is Real Madrid versus Barcelona. I think it is the most important fixture in Spanish football. And of course, uh, one of the biggest fixtures in the world, as you have mentioned. And, uh, The first time that I haven't got a chance to actually uh, watch this fixture live on a uh, ninety minutes football was back in November nineteen ninety seven because that was the first time that we had a chance to have La Liga on our television. Mm -hmm. Uh, Growing up in Malaysia, as many many, some of you might know that you know English Premier League football is huge, it's very big, and it was only towards the late nineties where things started to open up. We got you know, other leagues, especially Spanish football, Italian football. So when La Liga was available, I knew that I couldn't afford to miss this particular fixture because, you know, I've read about it so much. I, You know, I views or, uh, from magazines and all that. And this is going to be my first fixture. So if I can remember, it was uh, Real Madrid 2, Barcelona 3. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. scored, that was uh, scored a goal. If I can recall, Vivaldo was also there. Yeah, that so was, that was my first ever fixture. And uh, I guess it, uh, what I, uh, it was only when Luis Figo, when he was transferred from Barcelona to Real Madrid, it's when I truly mm. understand this fixture a little bit more that how it's just not about what's happening on the field. It's a lot more than just football. So that's pretty much where my uh, kickoff in terms of El Clasico.
0: Okay, that's nice. And Chris? You probably would have watched it uh, before, Chris, because I think these fixtures were available to you guys over there in the UK, was not it?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's fu- it's funny, really, because mine's the exact same fixture <laughs> uh, the exact same game. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, uh, I remember it more for I had I I, I actually had the uh, the pleasure of actually going to the new camp in 1996 when I was 10 years of age. Uh, and then just becoming sort of familiar with the uh, with Barcelona and the whole hysteria of Johan Cruyff and the dream team, which was just coming to an end. And then that's why my fashion fascination grew uh, with the fixture. And then, obviously, Bobby Robson took over Barcelona that year. Obviously, yep. an Englishman in charge of Barcelona at the time. Uh, so they got a bit more publicity um, yeah. in the UK at that time. And then that I remember that particular fixture was the first one that I ever watched that 3-2 game um, it was Louis van Gaal's first uh, first out Classico for Barcelona uh, I think Hike uh, Hankers was in charge of Real Madrid and Luis Enrique scored as well I think it was Rivaldo I think it, uh, it got extra publicity in this country because Ronaldo had just left to join in, into Milan and Rivaldo had just joined Barcelona I believe and again, that was when Sky Sports and uh, over here sort of started uh, exploring the L- league on a weekly basis and had uh, all the weekend fixtures on. So, man's the exact same fixture. I remember just it was such a good game. It was end to end. It was one 0 one 0 one nil, one all, two one. It was so close until the winning goal, and it was re- and then from there, um, it just grew.
0: <laughs> Any standout player for you guys? um you in that fixture, if you remember. In that
1: in that fixture, uh it was Luis Enrique. Um, yeah. there was a there, there was a bit of a thing of obviously when Luis Vigo went to uh done the transfer, it was sort of worldwide and uh the hysteria surrounding it and the amount of Abuse he got from the Barcelona fans um <laughs> yeah was sort of exceptional, but there's actually been plenty of players before that that done it I knew Enrique was sort of a, a a lower profile version of that and his goal in that game um uh, I, I remember just sort of watching the goal he sort of scored for, uh scored from outside the box
0: hmm.
1: and I remember just being sort of the, the the way he positioned himself as a player, he could sort of play anywhere on the pitch. He could play as a striker, he could play on the wing, he could play centre midfield. He, he actually could play fullback as well. So, for me, he was a standout player in that particular game.
3: All An right. old
1: fashioned James Milner, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, slightly better though.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, hammers Milner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Yossi, your memories.
3: So I'm, I'm a bit uh, younger than the rest of the boys, so I'm not going back to the 90s <laughs> for this. Um, but my memory was sort of started, and it, it's not the starting of the Classico, but it's starting from the 2002 World Cup when um, England versus Brazil, Ronaldinho, free kick, 30 yards, straight over seaman in the top corner. Um, and from then on, I had a bit of a fascination with Ronaldinho. And I was watching Premier League mostly, and then... When he moved to Barcelona, I think in 2003-04 season, um, I started watching a bit more vividly. And the, the first El Clásico that I remember like super distinctly was uh, the standing ovation Ronaldinho got from the Real Madrid yeah. fans in 2005. And just the... I, I suppose the goals he scored and just the way he sort of, I guess, transformed that Barcelona team. Not that it was a bad team, but Real Madrid were definitely the dominant team of that era. Like... Absolutely, like, yeah. Back to goes and uh, Barcelona, like Rivaldo and all that. It's like started of late, like have left and they're, they're rebuilding. And Ronaldinho sort of like took the mantle and became that player. And yeah, that was the first classical experience. And the way he just dominated that game and somehow overturned that hatred in the sense that like Real Madrid would ever acknowledge a good Barcelona play and vice versa. Not like the Messi Ronaldo thing where my play is better than yours. Everyone just appreciated <laughs> Ronaldinho for who
0: he was. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's my first Even off the pitch, he's a nice guy. So, oh, He did a couple of things, yeah. but he always had a smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, mine. Mine is pretty, something similar to what Yossi said, because uh, it's actually a combination of what Yossi said and Kevin said, because, uh, I mean, the scenario. Because for me in India as well, we didn't have the uh, uh, the matches uh, broadcasted on the TV until early 2000. So, uh, like I said in the beginning, I mean, in our early podcast, that uh, I'm an Arsenal fan. Although I was an Arsenal fan, um, I am an Arsenal fan. So, um, my favorite player was um, David Beckham. So it's might some people might find it um, weird because. Beckham's my favorite player, and I, I support Arsenal. So, um, when Beckham moved to uh, Real Madrid in 2003, that's when I really started following the La Liga. So, I used to follow the Premier League before, but um, once the broadcasting rights came to India, and then once La Liga was started to be broadcasted, and then I saw David Beckham go to Real Madrid, uh, that's when I actually started following La Liga, like I said. And then that that year, the first fixture, I think, was in towards the um, end of the first half. Right? Towards end of, I think, November or early December, something like that. That's when Barcelona played uh, Real Madrid and I think it was 2-1 to Real Madrid. Uh, where Ronaldo scored. Who else scored? I don't remember. Let me see. Um, I think Roberto Carlos scored, yeah. And Ronaldo scored. I don't remember who scored for Barcelona, though. So, that's how my memory of the, um, my following, fan following of this fixture started. Although um, it's a bit different from the usual thing because it's not a team that I support. I mean, i never used to watch them before, uh, although I've heard about them, but it was, it was like a weird kind of a fixture for me. Just because Beckham was there, I just watched, started watching the match. So, but now it's like a properly watched match for me. Because I know like the, what that fixture holds, and the players in both the teams it's really i look I really look forward something that I really look forward to every season uh, yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. uh yeah and and over the years, I think this fixture like like you said um at the time uh, early two thousand I think Real Madrid was the the main team they were the teams to be. When they had that uh, Galacticos and all those people there, all the players there, then it slowly started shifting towards Barcelona's favour. Um, I think towards the end of or towards yeah towards 2010 2008 yeah, 2009. Was... yeah when God, just before Guardiola came in, you know mm-hmm. when Clive was the yeah manager, that's when it, the momentum started shifting the other way.
1: Yeah, so, yeah uh, it's it's. It's very much a fixture, though, that sw- sort of swings in there roundabouts, the isn't it? It's always, because of the way La, La Liga is set up, mm. there's always one dominant team. The fixture itself is always competitive, but you yep. always tend to get Barcelona that dominate for a couple of years, then Real Madrid dominate for a couple of years. And the, yeah. the fixture itself sort of, it-, it goes with that, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. The league, yeah. But I would agree, I would, I would certainly agree. The turn of the century and the, the Galactico period for mm-hmm. me is when it sort of caught the world's interest. and I, yeah. I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that. I don't want that sound like that, that was when the fixture became what it was. The fixture has always been what it was because of the rivalry between the cultures, the cities, the players on the pitch. But I think once that, from a footballing point of view, and once it... The money got involved. It was, it was that galactical period when I believe it became, at it's very it, it hit its pinnacle, so to speak, as a rivalry, yeah. and it caught the world's interest.
2: Mm. I think because the, the arrival of the internet, you know, giving access to people to watch through live streaming, also kind of enhanced yeah. the fixtures. Uh, how do I say reputation in in the eyes of football? So yeah, it was I think it was I would agree with you. definitely the, the year two thousands was a really turning point for this fixture where of course it was always been more than a football even before that. But I think now it, it's sort of like yeah. all, even people out of speed, You know, now it seems like you can see Barcelona fans from all over the world, you know, are so politically into what's happening in, in Catalonia. And same goes for what's happening in, in Madrid as well. Mm. Yeah. So I've got a question for everyone.
3: Mm -hmm. given yeah (laughs) just on the thought that Chris said that like in like three or four years spouts maybe a bit longer like one team tends to dominate right Mm -hmm. yep in the last four or five years although Real Madrid have won three Champions Leagues they've I don't think they've won a league maybe once so who would you say is the dominant team now
2: well that's a a good question um, uh, depends how you look at it Depends how you look at you it, it. Look- If you're talking about domestic I would say it's Barcelona uh, If you're talking about continental Then I would say it's Real Madrid That's hmm. pretty much the easier way For me to address that question <laughs> Fair
1: enough <Okay. laughs> Sitting on the fence
0: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> uh, hey, You have to agree with what Chyvin said, isn't it? Because four Champions League Is no, uh, no small feat Oh, yeah, amazing. yeah, it's huge, it's huge. Um, I don't know, Looking I mean, as, long as uh, tight league runs, it's been really good, really impressive because I think they won oh, how many of the last 10 years? I think seven? seven yeah. of the last 10. Or Barca? yeah, um, uh, I think they won six or last... seven of the last 10.
3: Uh, I don't, I think they've won 10 of the last 20, I can tell you that,
0: yeah, because um, I know, I, I remember really that's won... One of it in between, and there was Atletico Madrid who won it. I can't remember if Real Madrid won another one in that this time time frame. Last so, 10, I think there
2: was once they won it under Jose Mourinho, yeah, and once under that. That's pretty yeah. much, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's
0: so something like that. Yeah, so like you said, if it's if you look at it in a domestic manner, then you have to go with Barcelona. It's a continental European thing, then you'll have to probably give it to Madrid. Because there's actually, like I said in the stat before, it's 95 to 93 if you compare the competitive uh, matches. And the, if you look at the number of titles both the teams have won, it's 90 apiece. <laughs> so, you can't really say that um, there have been periods, like Chris said, two years, three years, four years. But then it's been swinging all the way, like here and there, always.
1: Yeah. Well, I I feel at the moment, both clubs off the field are sort of in transition. Yeah. Uh, the sort of the lack a bit of direction uh, of where they're going uh, as clubs. I think on the pitch, they're no longer the dominant force in Europe that they once were. They'll always be be able to uh, attract the big players, uh, but I, I just feel that both clubs off the pitch at the moment. Uh, are lacking that direction. But I feel that is making it more entertaining on the pitch because I think this is probably the first time, this period of, say, maybe last year, the year before and coming into this season, you've got no idea who's going to win the fixture.
0: Hmm.
3: Yeah, it's a Uh, one.
1: Yeah, and I think head-to-head in the individual games... Uh, from a, from a neutral's perspective, that makes it a lot more entertaining. In terms of just to answer Yossi's question, I feel that I would probably say Barcelona. Why? Just because I think head to head, uh, it'd be interesting to see the stats uh, over the last five six years. It seems to them. Remember, seems that they've won more fixtures, and they've dominated domestically as well. Mm. Uh, well. So, yeah, Barcelona, um, Real Madrid have won more Champions Leagues, but they've never played Barcelona in the Champions League. True. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah, so, so I, I would argue that Barcelona, at the moment, uh, over that period of time that we're talking about, are probably the uh, the more dominant team. Mm. You're yeah. going by just the rivalry, right?
0: What, sorry? You're going by the, just the rivalry between the two teams and then...
1: Yeah, yeah, ju- yeah. Just between the two teams, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, when I say Barcelona do- dominating, uh, again, they have not dominated Europe in the way that they they have done previously. I just mean, head to head, they they were probably uh, the better team at the moment. Okay.
0: So, um, like we said, it's ninety uh, trophies apiece for both both the clubs. So, some so, some of it. Um, Real Madrid has more, like league titles, Real Madrid has more, Champions League, Real Madrid has more, but Copa del Rey more for Barcelona, so 90 piece. and you look at the um, most recent fixture that happened on 6th of February, February. that's like a couple of days back, um, what did you think, um, which, which team was the dominant one, and what did you think of uh, both the team's performances? go this time. all right let's start with yossi here ah uh, fair enough um so
3: the game in my eyes was relatively balanced i mean i think shots were 11 apiece one had, i think barca had three on target real had two on target um and it looked like it, they're sort of saving the energy for the second leg i uh, didn't want to go all guns blazing obviously barca rested messi for the majority of the game and Real didn't use bail although he's not really in favor um, so I think I think more is to come in the second leg but in terms of which team deserved it I think one was probably the fairest result you can give, give or at least a draw um, especially because like neither team's probably performing that amazingly or at their peak um, Real Madrid got the defensive issues or just all round issues um, especially not like replacing Ronaldo or like the goals he's scoring and Barca's defense has never been solid enough, and Coutinho has been given a lot of stick recently, and I don't think they've fully decided on their front three other than Suarez and Messi. Like, who's that third? Is it Malcolm? Is it Coutinho? Is it Dembele? Yeah, they're switching it up a bit, and they haven't really hit that what the number on the head, in a sense. Um, so, yeah, pretty balanced and really curious about the second leg, um,
0: but I think, I don't know, I think Barca's got the advantage just, personally. Even though they're playing at Bernabeu, the second leg? Yeah,
3: I mean, resting Messi. If they put Messi on for 90 minutes, I reckon it might change the game quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it should change. Because if it was Ronaldo and Messi on either team, I would probably mm-hmm. say still in the balance, anybody can win it. But Yeah. yeah like you said, if you, if you put him on from the start, probably they might have an advantage. What do, we, what do you think? Um, let's go with Chiven now.
2: Well, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but uh, uh, I was hearing a lot of praise for Malcolm. Apparently, a lot of Barcelona fans are saying that this was, that was one of his best ever game in a Barcelona yeah, I, For a long time, I've been hearing a lot of negative critics uh, yeah. about him, but he seemed to have a wonderful game.
0: Yeah, because I, like, like you said, even I couldn't watch the whole thing. I, I watched only the first half, but uh, whatever I watched, uh, Malcolm was creating. Malcolm and Sameda were creating a lot of trouble for Real Madrid on that right side. And because Real Madrid were actually playing a high-pressing game, they actually, if you, if you go only by the first half, they probably should have uh, been at least two or three goals ahead. Because they they had clear chances, which on another day, probably they would have scored. So, But Barcelona were very lucky to be 1-0 uh, at halftime and then go on and score Malcolm. And like you said, Malcolm was really good that day. He was creating stuff. He was doing all the cool stuff there on the right side, creating a lot of trouble. And eventually, he scored. He got his reward. He scored. Going second leg, 1-1. One, one. But yeah, I thought that um, the first half, maybe if the way Real Madrid were pressing the defence line of Barcelona, I thought they might get one more before halftime. But they did it. So, Chris, yours, uh, your thoughts on that game.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch. I didn't watch the game live. I watched it the next day uh, on repeat. Uh, I thought it was, it was quite an intriguing fixture. Uh, looking at the starting lineups, uh, then both managers seemed to uh, rest a few players, uh, and it looked like a bit of a change in formation as well uh, from Barcelona's point of view. But yeah, I thought I thought when I watched the game, uh, it went exactly as planned for me. Given the given the lineups and given the midweek fixture, don't know, uh, Barcelona might have had one eye on the, this weekend's fixture, um, mm. and I think both both clubs had uh, an eye on the Champions League fixtures coming up. But I know Barcelona they seem to dominate possession without really penetrating uh, Real Madrid at all. I uh, thought Real Madrid uh, I was pleasantly surprised by them given the difficulties since Solari took over. It's the first time I've watched them since, since December. Uh, and he seems to be very much improved. Uh, created a few chances, looked to have a bit more of an identity uh, and an idea of what they were doing on the pitch. Um it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how serious both teams take the next leg, given of when uh, given the timing of it. Um and, and like I said, whether Messi plays for Barcelona for the full 90 minutes. Uh or whether, whether they rest them again. Um, I'm going to disagree with uh, Yossi slightly. I, I I believe it's going to fall in round. Re- I, I think round here, they've got the advantage at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, what Yossi said uh, was uh, if Messi plays the whole 90, there is a chance, but uh, you've got to give it to Chris as well because, um, like you said, it, it's my only concern is. Second leg is played at uh, Bernabeu, so yeah, yeah. Going into that fixture, if Real Madrid does put in their first team, and even if Messi plays, uh, you've got to give Real Madrid a chance as well. You know, you have yeah to well, home game, and they yeah. they might take it seriously because um,
1: then I don't think they might win the league this year as well. Because uh, well, Yeah, exactly. That was that was the point I, I was going to bring up, just because. I know. uh everything coming out of the Real Madrid camp at the moment is that they still feel that they can win that league title. I think it will take a uh, uh, a bit of a collapse from Barcelona point now uh, to lose the league. Yeah. So I, b- I believe Real Madrid. I don't make them favourites for the Champions League at all. So this this could be a, this could be Solari's point of keeping his job, mm. When this uh, Copa del Rey.
2: Yeah. Actually, and, uh, and- just to add a few more. I um, think from what I saw the the Real Madrid game against Atletico, it seems like if things are falling into place for Salari at the right time. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I would yeah. I will think that Real Madrid slightly you know they have a certain edge going into that second leg against Barcelona. Hmm.
3: I should yeah. probably preface my point saying that if Messi were to play the ninety minutes, I think Barcelona would be favourites. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a balanced game. Yeah, yeah, fair fair. yeah. That, fair. I didn't, I didn't
1: get that across well enough. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. That's fine. That's understandable. Yes. Yeah, so, um, is Real Madrid? Uh, this,
0: this is a simple question, but um,
1: they've lost Ronaldo, yeah.
0: So they've lost his uh, fifty goals, yeah, in one season. So, um, have Real Madrid uh, addressed? Have they found? Um a way to cover up for that, those 50 goals that they're missing?
2: Hmm? Uh, do I think don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah, you I mean, can't expect you
0: know, no, 50 goals like Messi and Ronaldo, but uh, like, is yeah. there something in that team that can drive them through to the uh, next level of every competition?
2: I think it's a lot. It's, it's not just about what happens on the field that's what Ronaldo does. But overall, everything that, that comes with him in a package, that's something mm. that I think uh, you know Florentino Perez will need to address this summer because, as you know, ever since he took over as president of Real Madrid, he didn't want to just make Real Madrid a, the biggest club on the pitch. He also wanted to make them as dominant even off the pitch as well. And mm. if you go back to 2003, one of the reasons that why he wanted to, to sign David Becker was the fact that Mm. Beckham had this mass marketing appeal, especially in Asia, where he was really, really obsessed of trying to replace every single Manchester United signboard with Real Madrid. So Mm. I think he still has it in him. And I don't think currently right now, if you look at what Real Madrid, in terms of their football players, can offer, they don't really have that package that what Ronaldo brings. So, Mm. I don't know. Um, If if I remember, there's been a lot of sort of rumours saying that one of the reasons that Nima left Barcelona was to find a backdoor to Real Madrid. You might not know that could happen this summer.
0: Yeah, it, it could happen. You never know. Like, these things, if the money is put in place, you never know what is happening. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of uh, uh, a thing in football nowadays. Because if the money is right, the contracts right, the player, you 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 probably won't be looking at okay Real Madrid. What, how will that affect me Like I played in Barcelona or stuff nowadays it, players I don't think there are players who are loyal but I don't think that uh, uh, Neymar or whoever it is maybe Hazard
1: I don't <laughs> think they'll just yeah I don't think that, that bothers them I, I actually think the Ronaldo sale was good timing for the club and mm. uh, again a uh, Bringing up that point that has just been made, uh, it's what Real Madrid do off the fi- off the field uh, that will uh, the, the, determine what happens next. Getting rid of Ronaldo in the summer, I think, uh, was the right decision. And I, I know people might go open arms about that and say, "Oh my god!" I mean, don't get me wrong; you're talking about one of the greatest players of all time and replacing his goals. But off the field, uh, I, th- I think. Moving the moving the club forward tactically, I think I think Real Madrid's problems are a lot deeper than just replacing Ronaldo. I believe uh, the manager situation in the summer uh, has made has made that Ronaldo sale uh, stick out a lot more. Uh, obviously, appointing uh, the Spaniard uh, Lop- and yeah. uh, on the back of Zidane, and then it not working out for him, and then Athens to him with Solari, um, and the, the no identity on the pitch. That, that has made that signing a, a lot, or uh, sorry, that that sale a lot, a lot worse than what it what it should have been. I actually think the timing of the sale was brilliant. They could have looked at it from a point of view like, well, let's take one step back to make move two steps forward, and brought other players and made it more of a team, and and give the club an identity on the pitch, and appointed the right manager, and they, I I think he would have excelled from that point. But because they they sold Ronaldo and then Zidane left. Mm. as always uh, throughout the chairman's uh, Perez's tenure they just always make this, the wrong decision with the managers and it's gone it's gone massively wrong from that point of view
0: uh, same thing with uh, Barcelona do you think uh, they can find somebody to replace Messi he? because he's well, in his th- I think he's
1: 32 now probably yeah ten- so, oh. yeah yeah again it. it, it it's that sort of going back to the Ronaldo points. Real Madrid have made that decision now to get, so that mm. now gives them a chance to move forward. I feel as a club, again, it, what they do after field will have a big say on that because they could sort of start. To, they could start building now for the next five to ten years if they had some intelligence, uh, run, uh, football intelligence running the club. Now, because Barcelona have yet to make that decision, no matter what happens now. Whilst Messi's at Barcelona, the team will always be built around Messi. And rightfully so. We're talking about the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but then when a manager comes in, what manager in the right mind is going to take Messi out of that starting 11 and say, right now, you're now going to start playing a bit-part player or the teams not, I'm, I'm going to bring someone else and build a team around that player. It's not going to happen. So I just feel what is happening at Barcelona now they will never excel to the levels that they have done say under Pep mm. Guardiola or even Luis Enrique until that sort of until until Messi's completely out the picture
0: hmm.
3: so yeah i'm i'm in complete agreement with chris and that it was probably the time to sell ronaldo from a fiscal point of view just because getting on and they're not going to have the same sort of resale value in any other transfer window after and like it's, they're not going to be able to replace his goals, so they are going to try spread it out a bit. And the signings of uh, yeah. Vinicius Junior and Rodrigo sort of like indicate they're trying to build towards the future somehow. Um, mm-hmm. Whether those signings will be successful, time will tell. But they've got a massive problem in their squad coming up and the fact that Benzema's getting on, Modric is getting on, Cruz is getting on, Ramos is getting on, Masolo's already starting to slow down they've got to focus on the rebuild now. And they're probably, in terms of like, the cycle of life, they're further on in terms of needing to be rebuilt and already accepting that, whereas Barca are sort of like getting towards that stage where got, it's going to hit that point where they have to start and they haven't hit that yet.
1: Yeah.
0: But even if you look at Barcelona squad, well, they they have a lot of young players there. Okay, Messi probably another two or three years there, minimum. And uh, you look at who else? Uh, Gerard- Suarez, and- Suarez, Piqué, Rakitic, Puskás. Yeah, four of them. Yeah, but uh, you look at the squad. They have Malcolm, Dembele, Coutinho. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they signed the Dieng now. Marta. Um, yeah, the new guy Oscar, in the midfield. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, but there's Poutinho's sort of. Also- Hang on. Okay.
1: It's yeah, no. The- it's no. Sorry, go on.
0: Yeah, so so like I said, uh, Barcelona do have good young talent in their squad. If you look at them now, um, so um, I think if you ask me, in my opinion, uh, they have started their rebuilding as well. Um, maybe uh, t- only time will tell how they're planning for life after Messi. But just uh, like how Madrid have done with Ronaldo, um, I do think that even Barcelona are. Like on terms with, if not ahead, at least on terms with uh, their rebuilding.
1: Yeah, I believe I believe uh, those players. What you pointed out, uh, absolutely. Uh, the young players are there with Barcelona. I think Barcelona's issue, though, is slightly different to Real Madrid. Real Madrid's seems uh, main issues seem to come from off the field, as where well, Barcelona's uh, problems seem to come on on the field. Um, they have one way of playing Barcelona. As where those young players that you've just said um, will take the club, will take the club on, but they will also take the club down a difficult, ta- a different uh, tactical identity. It won't be tick attacker with those players, mm. and I think that's what re- that's what Barcelona maybe and not maybe, I've got to address or got to change um, th- that that generation of Ch- uh, Xavi Iniesta, Messi, the tick attacker style under Guardiola. That was fantastic. Probably the world's great, one of the, certainly the greatest team uh, that I've seen. But that can't be repeated with these players, and he seem to be clinging on to that generation uh, or that that style a little bit too much. They've got all the players here to take the club forward. It's having the right manager or having the manager who has got the the audacity, so to speak, to come in and say, right, well, we're not going to play the like st- st- we might play a a high uh, a high press and direct style uh, that might. Be different to what we link Barcelona with, Uh, and hopefully the board and the club itself can follow that manager's route. And I think those players that you said can certainly shine, but it's whether it's whether they're allowed to shine uh, whether a manager's allowed to come in and adapt a style to suit those players.
0: Hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the the off-the-pitch Stuff that happened with Real Madrid over the summer, and I felt uh, they should have at least waited till uh, Spain getting knocked out from the World Cup. Or because the way they announced the managerial situation and all those stuff, I felt was a bit disrespectful for the uh, Spanish team, towards the Spanish team. Because they, Spain yeah. is not good. Uh, I mean, Spain's not a bad team, they're a really, really good team. You look at their first team and the bench strength that they have. Uh, so just a day before Spain's opening game and that too against Portugal so um, I thought that, that was not the right time to uh, announce the manager and moreover you you have just lost Ronaldo one of the best players of all time you've lost 50 goals from him you've uh, you've just lost the manager you've just lost the manager who's just uh, won you the Champions League twice in a row and uh I feel that they could have at least waited, and even if they gave the chance to uh, the Spain coach, what's his name, Lopetegui? Yeah, uh, they they should have maybe given him some more time. Um, so I think all this trans- translated onto the pitch as well, because they started off the season really bad, but now they're slowly coming back. But yeah. you look at the first few months; it was not as good as what they would have liked for a life after Ronaldo yeah a lot of off-field things happening as well for Real Madrid and okay so now moving on we'll just uh, look at uh, the best teams that we have had uh, over the years so um, which team of the Barcelona era um, like maybe last 20 years or so 20-25 years or so um, do you think was the best team
1: they didn't mean, go to... t- now that's so, so, sorry, what was that? Uh, Barcelona's best team over the last twenty years? Yeah, twenty twenty-five, maybe thirty years. Yeah, uh, for me, it's the two thousand eleven team. <laughs> the Guardiola one. Yeah, the, uh, the the Guardiola one that the, the one that beat Real Madrid five 0 when it was Guardiola versus Mourinho. Yep. Uh, that year, uh, that that was the best for me. That is the best club team ever. Okay. And for you
0: and uh, for Chris, uh, sorry, for Shivin and Yossi? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, uh-huh.
3: so I'm, I'm in complete agreement. I, I can't think of... I mean, obviously, they've been fantastic Barcelona teams throughout those 20 years, but that's the standout. The fact dominating the league, Champions League, the treble, and made their rivals look fairly average, it says enough.
2: Yeah. Uh, I have to agree with everyone. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the team that was assembled by Pep Guardiola, it was, I think it was the zenith peak of what club football should be about. It wasn't just about signing your big names, but molding them with your clubs, uh, you know, La Masia, DNAs and all that. I mean, it was to, like sort of like the most ideal football club ever that had the best of both, yeah. you know, abroad and, uh, you know, what, how pretty way locally, uh, Within Barcelona,
1: I did say there was the zenith peak of
0: football. Yeah. And looking I, at Real Madrid... I was go- OK, let's go ahead and then we'll look at Real Madrid. Yeah,
1: oh, All right, yeah, my apologies. I was going to say, the reason I, I, I chose the 2011 team as opposed to the 2008 team as well is probably because of the Real Madrid rivalry. Um, in 2008... Um, when or it might have been 2009. My apologies. Uh, when they won everything, Barcelona under Guardiola's first full season in charge, and they won the six trophies in the calendar year, and he beat Real Madrid six two toward the end of the season. Yep. And it was like the start of uh, something great. But Real Madrid at that time, I believe, I think yeah, uh, Ramos was in charge. I think he. Uh, I think he. I think he was the third manager at that season. So. Uh, Obviously, that was a great team. That was a great team, even though the 2011 one, even though people will always say, well, Chabi, Iniesta, and Messi were all still in it, it was actually a slightly different team. Um, uh, David Villa, Villa, uh, yeah, coming to the uh, team as well. And the fact that Mourinho took over Real Madrid, which was an actual very, very good Real Madrid team. Yeah, uh, like like the point like the points has just been raised. It seems to just tick all boxes. They won the Champions League. Guardiola beat Mourinho. They not only beat them, they made a very good team look very average. Uh, that year, the 2010-2011 season, for me, that it like it just ticked all boxes. It had everything. That team just had everything right through the club. So I think
0: uh, we're all in agreement with uh, Barcelona's best team. Over the last yeah. 25 years, yeah,
2: definitely.
0: Um, and uh, look, let's have a look at Real Madrid. I think that has a bit more. Uh, ch- it's a bit more challenging than Barcelona. You have a lot of <laughs> good teams there. Because the the current team, uh, almost all of them have won the Champions League three times in a row. Mm-hmm.
1: Most of them have won it.
0: Maybe one year before uh, Barcelona won it. F- 2014, 15 Barcelona won it. 16, 17, 18. Um, the current team has won. Then you look at the Mourinho team there, and you have the Galacticos there. Uh, so, which team would you guys as the best one over the last 25-30 Okay,
2: I'll go first. Um, I'm going to go for something more classic. I think I like the team that was assembled by Vicente Del Bosque during his first season in charge. Because there wasn't really outstanding big name. I think the biggest name at the time they had was probably Raul. And mm-hmm. And the other players, I mean, they were not really superstars, but they were class in their own right. And, you know, there wasn't really, there was a Real Madrid that was still, I would say, run as a football club rather than a club that was interested in buying big names just to sell uh, shirts and all that. You know, you had players like Fernando Morientes. Fernando Redondo, one of the best midfielders I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Carlos was there, Salgado, I think Aranka, and uh, I can't remember, Steve McManaman was there as well. So, oh, yeah, I would one, look, yeah, I would look at that team as
1: probably the best Real Madrid side that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And Chris? Yeah, it's such a difficult question with Real Madrid, uh, because a team that you associate with great individuals, rather than a great team, uh, and it's a team that they, one year they can be great. They, in, it, it is it's a, it's such a good question that you're asking uh, when you when you go into it because they can be great in the Champions League but really poor in the league. Uh, but I would have to agree that the the, the Del Bosque team, uh, the first one, uh, like I said, was was a team uh, full of really uh, really talented players, but not the profiles of the the, uh, the ones. But I would probably mm-hmm. say the one just just after that, just after that first team, um, when it had Mikelelli, and it, it had uh, Ronaldo, Figo, yep. uh, and Zidane in it. Uh, I, that team, it uh, with itself, just had everything from back to front. It had goals. It had it was solid defensively. It had flair players. Just before the signing of David Beckham, that that team for me w- was the best Real Madrid team that.
0: Okay, and Yossi, your pick.
3: So, um, being the, I guess, baby of the group, that sort of era isn't as prevalent to me. So I'm going to go with something a little bit more recent. Um, And I'm probably going to... I'm trying to toss up between two, but I think, for me, the first year of Zidane's reign, in recent memory for me, um, is probably... I think off the top of my head, that was the 2015-2016 season against Atletico when they won on penalties, if I'm correctly saying that. Um, I I think that is the best of the recent ones, personally, because Real Madrid have never been good at winning the Champions League and also winning the league. It's usually being sacrificing one for the other. And Mm. that year sort of felt like the year that they were saying okay, we're not going to try to do both. We're binning one off and putting all our fits in one rather than just, oh, we happen to do well well in one, in my opinion. I could be wrong in saying that. Um, but So I feel like they put their goal into one basket and they went for it and they were successful. And that's why I think that was the best because that was the uh, like the major objective for them. Um, also, it was just, I feel like people like Modric and players of that ilk, Marcelo, were always... Th- sort of like as quality players, but those were the years when they sort of like did more than what they were thought they could do in the mm. sense that Modric only won the Ballon-, Ballon d'Or now, but it was, I think at his best then to be honest. Um So that's on mm. recent years, what, what the Real Madrid team I think is best, but I do agree that it is a much tougher decision
0: compared to Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for me, yeah. Uh... I would probably pick the uh, Galacticos because, in the, st- at the start of the show, I did say that I started following uh, this fixture and these teams, uh, especially when David Beckham came into the team. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably go with as a team. I would probably pick that team, although they've not won as much as the current team in regards to the league titles and the Coppa Dale Rays or Champions League. But I would probably pick that as my. Uh, Best on the stream over the last 15 years.
3: Yeah, if, if if I was around like that time watching football as avidly as you guys were, I'd probably be in agreement about to be honest, just judging by the names a yeah. lot.
0: Yeah, because uh, that that team had, like you guys said, uh, like Chris and uh, Shivan already mentioned, it, the team that was there just before David Beckham came, I think that was a two on two, one, two season
1: or two on two and three season. Like yeah, the, t- the team that beat Leverkusen. Uh, in the Champions yeah. League final that, yeah, that, that season yeah uh, th- it, that era just seemed to maybe, I, I think maybe it was something to do with my age as well at that time I was sort of a teenager at that time mm-hmm. and everything uh, regarding Real Madrid was sort of highly publicised and, and the money that they were spending that was sort of unheard of the, the, the amount of money that they were spending on players and they just seemed to be buying all these big players and I actually thought Del Bosque had done really well to actually create a team, given the yeah. uh, given the types of players that he had, but yeah, yeah so I also want to. It. <laughs> it's for, it's for I also want to make a shout. One one of the the best Real Madrid teams I actually seen uh, was one that actually never won a trophy. <laughs> as, yeah. as, as, as strange as that sounds, but Manuel uh, Pellegrini's Real Madrid team. Yep. Uh, that was up against Guardiola's. I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they finished second on ninety odd points. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it it might have it might have been Ronaldo's first season there at the club, or, or maybe second. And yeah. it it was a really really entertaining team to watch. They really went all out. They scored some goals, but obviously they were just up against a, a, a team that had was just better than them in the end. But it was really that, that was a really really good team to watch.
0: Hmm. uh, it's funny uh, how uh, Mourinho actually went against uh, but still uh, Mourinho's team I think holds the record still for the most points and most goals scored isn't it yeah yeah, the Real Madrid team (laughs) uh, we actually did a podcast for all our listeners we actually had a podcast on uh, Mourinho's birthday and we have discussed a few things about Real Madrid and go check that out as well um, alright so uh, moving on to the next one um, a quick like we said we have a couple more fixtures uh, coming up the El Clasico is coming up in the next few weeks so uh, with the first leg poised at 1-1 um, what do you guys think for the second leg let's just get a quick prediction just a prediction no explanation just predictions that's it so there's one one more uh, leg of the Copa del Rey coming up at the uh, Santiago Bernabéu, Real Madrid's home, and then there's the league match coming up. So, um, what do you guys think? Just give your predictions for, and just say which match you're predicting for. Is it the league or the cup? Do you want us to do both? Yep. Yeah. Because well, we have like two coming up in two two or three weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks, two matches.
3: Um, yes, quick prediction for Copa del Rey. I reckon it'll be a 2-1 win to Barca. And in terms of the league, it's early days. Depends on injuries and all that. But if I had to take a punt, um, uh, I think it's going to be a reverse and say 200. OK.
1: Chris? I'm going to go 2-1 Madrid on in the Copa del Rey. And I'm going to go for a score draw in the league fixture. One or maybe
2: two, all
0: okay. And Shivan, your prediction?
2: Well, I think uh, you know, Salari definitely doesn't want to end the season empty handed, so I think you know, there's a lot of motivation going to that Copa del Rey mm-hmm. fixture. So I think Real Madrid will win that probably two one. And then in the Liga fixture, I think it's gonna be probably Barcelona one now,
0: okay. All right, so there, those are the predictions you guys. Um. And we will be releasing one more, the second part of this uh, El Clasico special where we look at the games and review a bit about the games and the players uh, and how they have done in their other competitions as well. So um, we'll have a look at that in our part two, uh, which will be coming up mostly next week. Or maybe after the uh, third game. So, uh, But it's Soon, so uh get get a hold of part one, which is this one, and then we um, uh, stay tuned for the second part, which will be released uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, all right, thank you to Chris, Yossi, and Shivin for being wonderful guests tonight on the show. Um, we had some really good insights about, uh, I think this is, we are like um, 10 years apart from Yossi to Chris, oh, sorry, Yossi to Shivin. More than 10, I guess, maybe 15. <laughs> so it's, it was good to discuss um, uh, two ends of the rivalry, not the most recent one.
2: Um, you know, Matt, I, have, I have a question to everybody. Okay. Yep. Um, in, your, in the entire history, let's say we talk about uh, between Real Madrid and Barcelona, who do you think is the most unsung player? that is featured in this in this particular fixture that it always seems to be underrated all the time?
0: Ooh, good question there. Ooh. Ooh, let me just have a think.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a thinker. Yeah. I, got a name, I got a name in my head right now, but I want to hear from you guys.
3: Oh, wow, oh, do, do you want to go first then? Because um, it's going to take me a while to generate a solid yeah. response to that. It's a good question.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a question with so many um, open answers to it. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, yeah. Very- uh, okay. I'll, I'll mention which player I'm talking about i was talking about Claude Makélélé. Oh,
3: damn no damn it <laughs> it was
2: absolutely crucial to Real Madrid when he was there I think I think he was he was really that the, you know of course when you talk about the Galacticos team going forward mm-hmm. there, were, there was plenty of bullshit but when they moved back he was the one guy that kept things all together at the back
0: yep can't,
1: yeah can't,
0: <laughs> cannot say no to that. Yeah,
3: it's hard. It's hard to beat that. Um, I think in terms of unsung, I'm gonna go because partly because of longevity, and also because in the Classico yeah, he's a bit of a shithouse and you kind of need it. Um, is uh, Sergio Busquets um keeps the team moving, always gives you that solid performance. He never, he'll never score you that spectacular goal or be like giving the goal line clearance that often. But he just makes the team function, and if you need that cheeky like yellow card, pull someone down Starts a fight, you know, he'll, he'll do that for you each and every time and he j- it never gets noticed by anyone who watches football regularly. Um, so, yeah, that, I'm going to have to say the skits, partly because McAuley was taken, but
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. And Chris,
1: yours? Do I have to just give one player here? Because I've got about five in my head. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Right, well, I'm, I'm going to come at it from a completely different angle here um, in terms of He's not, he's not underrated, but mm. I think his effect, effect on this particular game, goes unnoticed compared to recent stars. So, you, so everything about this fixture in the last say five to ten years has all been about Messi and Ronaldo.
0: Mm.
1: Yep. It's always uh, who's better, who isn't. Uh, one player will affect one game. One player will affect the other. And then w- within this generation of Barcelona team, you, you always associate Xavi. Iniesta, uh, Messi, okay. But I think, again, let me explain. Answer. I think what Ronaldinho done in this fixture for the period that he was at Barcelona
2: mm-hmm.
1: probably, for me, excels what Messi and Ronaldo have done